I want you to travel with me now. We are going on a journey of the mind. In the mind, you can go anywhere you want in the entire universe, even places that do not exist. In this case, we're just going to go to Pittsburgh. So travel with me to Pittsburgh the way I did last weekend to go to a wedding. Oh, it was an odyssey, just like the one that Ulysses took. Except he didn't go to Pittsburgh. Who knows? Who knows? They leave so much out of those old Greek books. You don't know what's not in there. There's a bunch of pages missing, like Laura Palmer's diary. You don't know that he didn't go to Pittsburgh. So I did that for him. I went there. I turned it into a symbolic, allegorical journey. It is in the allegorical valley or something they call it there. On the banks of the Mon, Mon River. They just call it Mon for short because the long is baffling to me. If you're not from a place, some of the place names are difficult. There was a something called First Street or something. Just forget that. I have the navigation thing on, on the car. And it brought me right through there, through Ohio, and down some strange roads. But it did that on purpose because it wanted an Amish man to wave to me. And I thought that was remarkable. They are welcoming me here, oh, great people of the chin beard, to this section of the country where I will have an adventure. And the reason I mention the Amish is because the the real purpose of what I'm speaking to you about is being in a group. What's a group? What's a tribe? What's a team? What's a thing that you're on, like a thing, a group? So I'm going to explore that. So not only are we going to explore Pittsburgh, oh, but we are going to explore the group. And, and it can have a positive or negative connotation. When I was listening to the radio in the 90s, there was a Watergate figure named G. Gordon Liddy on, and I won't talk about him other than the fact that he would insist that the real name of ABBA, the Swedish singing group, was Group ABBA, and he would refer to them as Group ABBA. And anything else he said was wrong. The real official name is Group ABBA. Now, I'm pretty sure that's not true. I don't know. To this day, I can't prove that it's true. I remember him saying it. And then I thought, well, maybe I'm doing everything wrong. Maybe every band has the word group and from maybe it's group Beatles or something. Maybe it's not just bands. Maybe it's a group Three Stooges. To distinguish them from the canning company of the same name, ABBA. So I don't know if this is true or not, but there's that word. There's that word again, group. And we're going to come back to it, but we're not in Pittsburgh yet. We're still on some desolate highway in Ohio, reeling from being waved at by an Amish gentleman. I don't even know what kind of wave. It could have been, do not pass, do not go forward here. You are leaving your own reality, and you are entering a mystical world where it's not a literal Pittsburgh. It's the Pittsburgh of the mind, the Pittsburgh of the heart. And it was that, I believe. So we're, we're driving in there, and uh, it's a very interesting town to me because most of it is up. It's very hilly, 
And so the navigation thing would be saying things like, quick, take a sharp left turn. That's almost a U-turn. And then we'd do that. And they say, now go back over the bridge that you just came from. You go, all right, well, that seems crazy, but that's the only way you can get there. So there's lots of that, and I like that about it. Because it felt like the whole way we were trying to lose somebody. So quick, quick, turn right here. Just park for a minute. Put your head down, the, the Google directions would say. Don't make a sound. All right, now back up very slowly and go on the road you just came from. That's Pittsburgh. Or you go up real high, you know. There's a pawn shop on the corner in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and its elevation is higher than the bakery next door. Oh, what a walk it is all the way up there. Here's something interesting. Now, I once discussed a math topography problem, the seven bridges from a mathematician named, wait for it, Euler. Now, that sound familiar? Pittsburgh, Euler. They have seven bridges at least. And why would I have to go back over the one that I just crossed to get somewhere if the whole town wasn't some giant logic mathematics problem having to do with circuits or something? I don't even know. My thinking was so erratic when I got there because I was headed to a wedding. Oh, ancient mariner, you say to me. Why are you stopping me? I am also heading to a wedding. Who's heading to the wedding? The wedding guest or the ancient mariner? I always had that with the Simple Simon logic problem. Simple Simon met a pieman heading to the fair. Said Simple Pieman to the pieman. I feel, I feel under the air. I don't... Said Pyman to the simple Simon, what do you use count so many? I don't remember it really. But I think it's also like the St. Ives one. Not the malt liquor. But as I was going to St. Ives, I met a man with seven wives. Seven wives with seven sacks. Seven sacks with seven cats. Seven cats with seven kits. Kits, cats, sacks, wives. Why was I going to St. Ives? is that that's the problem. And I've never figured it out. Why, why am I going to St. Ives? I don't care. And I certainly don't want to do math while I'm there. I don't know what kind of place this is. I don't know if Pittsburgh's like that. I don't feel like I had to do any math while I was there. I had to do pronounce things I couldn't pronounce. But that's, uh, that's about it. Uh, like uh, steel. So we, that means a different thing where I am from. Here, that means not moving. But there, it's a type of metal that you would force people to make. And they name things after it. So I had lots to learn. And I like learning. I like to go a place where I don't know anybody. Oh, my goodness, why is that? Why is, don't you want to be part of a group? Don't you long to have an identity in a circle of people where you all have the same st style of beard? And you can say, hey, you're like me, I can see, because we have our, our nose hairs of the same length or something like that. I see that you've let your ear hair grow. That tells me that you and I think philosophically similarly, or we are willing to profess the same thing under penalty of ostracism. 
So that's why I've, oh, I've always wanted to identify with somebody, like a group of people I never could. Oh, my goodness, all my life I wanted to be part of something. Say, oh, this is my hometown. But I moved around a bit. And sometimes people in towns, you know how they can get. So let's say you move to Smithville and you think, I live in Smithville. All my memories pretty much are from Smithville. And then you're told, no, you're not a real Smithvillian because your people aren't from here. And so yours are? Oh, yes. Did you like them? No. Oh, okay, but yet. Uh, that gives you, yes, that gives me some uh, claim to this area that you do not have. Okay, so you must go to your ancestral home. I can't. Oh, my goodness. That's like the Jesus story. So you have to go, go to your hometown to pay taxes. I think I'd get out of paying taxes. I go, excuse me, sir, I don't know where that is. Okay, just Rome then. All right, I'll go to Rome, but... I'm not from there, not the North Georgia one. Who knows? But once I arrived in Pittsburgh, I followed the directions. The directions took me through, I don't know, like a big lots parking lot or something to get to the hotel, which I thought was interesting. And it was the correct, it was the correct directions. It was actually faster to cut through the parking lot of the big lots or whatever it was. I don't even know if they have one there. Whatever their equivalent is. Oh, my goodness, wherever you're from, they have a... Di- Where's your Meemaw get, uh, if she's looking for discount bulk ashtrays, where would she get those? Oh, that's, we call that, you know, uh, I don't know what you call it. What do you call it? Fly, f- fire damage warehouse or something like that. I remember Goody Barn was like that. Down south, it was all fire damage things. If you don't mind wiping the smoke off of a thing, you can get it cheap. And everything smelled like scotch because of that. Say, mm, this isn't bad. I don't mind this, maybe. these All these kitchen towels, mm, they smell like a fireplace in winter. And what they really smell like is burned siding from the restaurant that caught fire and from where they came. I walk into that lobby of of the hotel and I see a banner there and it says family reunion and then I see all these beautiful people wearing the same shirt you know they have the shirts made for family reunion say whatever Romulus or Remus whatever the two families are family reunion and you say oh what a good feeling that gives me look at all of them I wonder if they love one another there seem, there's lots of hugging going on, but you don't know in families. There might be some quiet resentments or something like that. But they still care enough to get together at this hotel. And every time I see that, I want to grab one of those T-shirts and say, I'm, I'm Cousin Hardy. You don't remember me um, because I actually contain the soul of one of your dead relatives who has come back and is using me as a vehicle to be part of the fun. And they say, I'm not buying that. So, but it's my heart reaching out. Now, I had a wedding to go to where I also did not really know anybody. They knew me a little, which is why I was asked to be there, but uh, I didn't know anybody. And so I was going to a strange town. Now, I believe I have some ancestors. We have ancestors from everywhere, right? If, you're, if you've been around, you probably have ancestors, And those are people 
that are your, your parents or your parents' parents, your parents' parents' parents. You don't necessarily know them, like them, care about them, anything like that. But there they are. They're just a biological necessity for your existence. And sometimes you do inherit things from them, like some sort of poisonous family culture or a habit or something nicer, like an old family reunion t-shirt but from the 70s, and so it's fun. Now, I was a little bit nervous, you know, because if you're not part of something, sometimes there's a little nerves involved. You say, will I be included? Will people be friendly to me and all that? And so far, people have been very friendly. I was surprised. Lots of waving. I, I'm, to this day, I'm pretty sure something was hanging off the car. What's with all the waving? But it was, I believe... It was a, a gentle greetings. Also, I'm, maybe I stare. I don't do it intentionally. I just like looking at things, and I forget that the people can see me back because I'm so used to television now that when I'm out and I'm sitting at a cafe or something, it doesn't dawn on me that this wonderful drama that I'm watching unfold is watching me. So that's, that's always difficult. And because I wear glasses, there's glass in between me and it. So the illusion is sustained. Now, I like to go where I think there's going to be love. And for me, not knowing anybody kind of makes the love easier because we don't have any history together. I have gone to family things, and you know the past goes with you. Past comes with you. And I heard that. I was in the parking lot, and one of the family reunion attendees says to another one, I remember you're the first one that took me to a movie when I was as high as this young person right here. And they're thinking, the older person was probably thinking, how about that? I don't remember that, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't you, but okay. So we all have ideas of who we are, even though maybe you haven't seen somebody for a long time. But... They have an idea of you, and so when they see you and they've known you your whole life, all that goes with it, doesn't it? All their ideas of who you are, they might not be accurate. I'm sure they're not. What if it is a relative who's only seen you at these things? They go, yep, I know who you are. You're the one who spilled the chocolate. Then the next year, you're the one who kicked the soccer ball into the... See, that's going to be how they see you. And you'll think, well, that wasn't even me. That was Cousin Richie. So everything is all messed up. So you see me one way. I remember I had my great aunt who I'd only seen once and only spoken to once said this to me. Oh, I remember you. You were an ugly baby. And I was like, wow, this is the first and last time, Aunt Brenda, that we are going to be speaking because I don't understand what that has to do with anything. Why was I? I don't think you're thinking of me, first of all. Because I've seen pictures of myself, and I didn't get ugly until a couple years into being. So I remember that first bit, I was all right. Things were proportioned correctly at about, you know, six months or something like that. All downhill after that. Say, so what's going on now? All oh, the, the face is growing in in a way that's not as cute. But listen, where'd those genes come from, Brenda? So anyway, um, 
you know, your family isn't always your, your group. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your friends. Well, I had some rough times in school where I, I hadn't really learned how to be a very good friend yet. And so maybe I was playing out some anger, frustration. So I think maybe I was a bit of a jerk in school. So if somebody knows me just from school, I'm forever a bit of a jerk. If I go to that reunion, some school reunion, depending on what year it is, uh, they might see me and go, oh, Hardy, I remember you. Still making fart sounds in math or something like that. And I go, no, well, I don't <clears throat> No, I paid the price for that, I mean, if you must know, because now I can't do mathematics. And I have been called upon to do it sometimes, to say, hey, you need this for your dreams. I say, well, I guess, I guess I'm not going to fulfill my dreams. And they said, well, you should have listened in math class. And now you will live a life of bitterness and disappointment. No, that's not true at all. No, that's not true at all. I feel there's redemption. I don't have many regrets about things like that. So I wasn't paying attention in class, whatever. I wish I had, but there you go. Other good things have happened. We've moved on. And I wish that you had, cousin. Um, so... What group are you in? Are you in one willingly? And, and why do you identify with it? And why is it that when you meet other people identify with that group, sometimes you're like, oh, am I really in this one? That can be that way with sports fandom. You think, oh, gosh, do we really have anything in common? I also like that team. I like that team. All right. Bye. Yeah. Well, we both like the team. Yes. You're... Family killed mine during the war, but here's the thing. We both recognize top-level athletics. Yes, we do. So um, all those things, I guess, identity and everything, I've always felt uncomfortable with. Religion, oh, my goodness. I'm always that person in your religious community who you're thinking, are they a real one of us? Because I don't know that I could pass any kind of tests of, of faith. If I was, I imagine if they were swearing me in as clergy or something, they'd go, do you believe this, that, and the other thing? And I'd go, ooh, I'm going to be honest with you. That's the thing. I don't know that I can, a lot of group identity is professing things you don't feel. And I am really leery of agreeing to something that might hurt someone, me or others, or something that might feel someone feel excluded. I'm not looking for pity, but I think the most uh, frightening, saddest times in my life, especially when I was little, was being excluded from a group. And it seemed to happen regularly from, from family, from friends. And eventually I learned that some of it was me, and then some of it are human beings. And that's not my problem. That we, uh, we do tend to ostracize or, or something like that. And we underestimate the pain that it causes to reject other human beings and their love. If they want to love you and you say, no, you can't love us, that is profoundly rattling. So, you know, you want to be part of some and say, I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh. No, you're not from Pittsburgh. Well, I am. Now, Butchie's going through that, right? We've, uh, I've talked about this before. And we do run in that when we, when we live a place. 
You say, gosh, if they were if they were calling us up, I'd be on, I guess I'd be on team whatever my neighborhood is. But I'm the first one in my family to have lived here. And, uh, you know, I would say my ancestors more or less had a condescending attitude about the the my current geographical location. So I'm sorry about that. And I don't know. Is there, are you y'all recruiting? Will you let me in? Oh, these groups, they have rights and procedures to enter them, don't they? So now you are a part of the group. I'm going to do that tonight. Let's, let's form a group, a group for the groupless. And here's the, here's the requirements to be in our group. None. Two, you can hear my voice. Three, you have felt the sting of rejection. You feel like you don't fit in anywhere. You say, how can I know I'm, I'm lovable? Listen, well, maybe you don't. You say, I, I know I'm not lovable. Let's do a little thought experiment. Let's say you are. Let's say I say you are. And let's say I'm a big deal. So Hardy says you're lovable. Now, nobody knows that you're secretly feeling lovable. We're in a room. No one's here. You're driving. That's it. You and I, you and Hardy, just driving down the road. There's nobody here right now. You don't have to beat up on yourself. You can love yourself right now. Say, I'm loving myself, all my nonsense that I've done, all my mistakes. You know, I, 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 how's I supposed to know? Imagine when you're little and some have a little compassion on that little goofball. That, that, you never grew up. Who are you fooling? Nobody ever does. Everybody brings that little child's living in them. I, people say that all the time, but they don't understand the real connotations of it. It's really something else. Say, yes, it's the little child. It, no, it's really there. It's as wounded. It has the same desires. Its little heart is as afraid and confused. And you may think you know what's going on, but that's the only thing I think you learn with age is you become deluded into thinking that you have somehow figured part of this thing out. Well, I must have made some good decisions because here I am not dead. Well, not necessarily true. And uh, so it's those little lies we tell each other and ourselves. So right now we're just going to be a group of one and you're going to be uh, initiated into your own just group of one. That's the first step and the last step, the most important one. Then whatever group you go into, you have that. You never lose it. You will never dissipate. You will never let someone else think for you. You will let some people think with you. You will think together. You will trust them to present ideas and you present them. But that goes, that goes on best within your own head. So here we go. Do you promise from now, watch the road, do you promise from that? Look at, wave at the Amish man. What is he waving at us for? He looks happy. I don't see anything around here that, that looks like where he lives. So he must be just passing through or he's walked over to Papa Burns um, to borrow something. Who knows what he might need? Sugar for his uh, sweet cakes. I don't know what they make. Um, bless you. I might not be in your group. But I know you're proud. I'm proud of my people. They eat pork roll or something like that. I love that too. And a lot of times, uh, 
states will do that. Kentucky's like Kentucky proud. We're proud. Everybody's proud, and they should. You should be proud of of arbitrary political uh, boundaries. I feel like that. I'm proud here, and then the other people on the other side of this invisible line, not so much. Not so much. They are not. They're pretty much just the other. I have a. Um, I am from a town. And it has a rather long name, but it's back when they had uh, hyphenated names. But I'm from a little town in Florida called um, the Narcissism of Minor Differences by the Sea. And it's a lovely little hamlet. And I say, I say hamlet as in like a small pig. But it's a wonderful, wonderful place to grow up. And we were so much like others that we just absolutely detested them because it's, oh, this is like, turns out the whole town was surrounded by a mirror and what we were really looking at was ourselves. And we went to war with the mirror people. I remember holding up a gun and saying, wait a minute, that's me. And we almost, who knows what was on the other side of the glass. We might've destroyed the whole universe. That's how a lot of towns get fooled. Because it's this music man thing. People will come through and they'll say, I'm selling band instruments. And the next thing you know, they've, they've ruined the whole town. Everybody's broke. I don't even know how that works. I would love to be a con artist, except that I'm not a psychopath. And uh, I would be immediately filled with guilt. I would break down in my first pitch. I would say, you people need this. No, you don't. I'm sorry. You don't need this at all. Uh, but that's a good kind of con man or something. Yes, I'm your long-lost relative, and I need... No, I'm not. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I said that. But I think if you're going to be a con man, that's the kind of be. Instantly remorseful and maybe pitiable, and maybe they'll let you into your camp. When I watch old westerns like Wagon Train and everything, that's a really good... If I was teaching a college course on tribalism or something. I would really, I would show that movie about how who's included in the wagon train, why they're, they're paying to be there, who's protecting them, who are they being protected from, where are they going, that kind of thing. I like that. I like those ideas. And uh, so, and I like watching them with, come from people in hats. I do require some hats in my dramas. I don't mind them. I like them. It's just another thing. I remember Harry Dean Stanton was saying his early acting advice was just be yourself and let the costume be the character. So I'm like that too. I think, oh my gosh. And then there, there he is. Then you'll see Harry Dean Stanton in a, in a cowboy hat and you go, that ain't Harry. That's cowboy Harry. So it's a totally different thing. And uh, speaking of which, I was, I'm, no, I won't do that. I was going to go from talking about Harry Dean Stanton to Repo Man to the Alex Cox movie, Walker. But I'm not going to do that because this isn't that kind of show. I don't want to know what movies you're watching. I don't want a movie review. I don't either. I want you to take me to the imaginary Pittsburgh and tell me about a wedding without telling me about a wedding. How will I do that? Tell me about love. Tell me about love and relationships over time. 
I went to this wedding, and there was a one of those uh, Friday night rehearsal dinners where the dinner the next day is so important that you rehearse it the night before. So how am I going to approach this app? How am I going to eat this? Um, what is that, a stuffed pepper? So that's another thing, too. So you get, you say, okay, that's the stuffed pepper. I'll know that. Rehearsal, it's important. So I'm at this, and there's often toasts. People get up and they say nice things about one another. And so this happened, and one of the guests stood up and was a childhood friend of one of the people getting married. And they said, I think you're the first person I loved other than my caregivers and my family. Because we were so little when I met you, you were my first friend, the first person I cared about. And can you imagine that? I've never had that, where I, of those people I met in those first few, they're gone. I don't know whatever happened to them. There's my best friend, so-and-so. Poof, who knows? So I haven't seen any of those people forever. They just kept disappearing. That would happen to me in my life. I have not consistently. When I was born, see, my family was all old. A lot of them were old, and they just died. And so I'll, uh, instantly my family was gone because I didn't realize how old they were at the time. I go, I love all my elderly aunts. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, love them while you got them because then the family went very. So when people go to tell stories about you, say, oh, I have no memory of Hardy, really. Uh, so that's the kind of thing. So I was thinking about that and say how beautiful that was. But it's really beautiful to be loved at any time. Because even though that that was a long friendship and everything, it was that moment. I, I was in that moment, and I was feeling that too. So even though I didn't have this lifelong friendship like that, that would cult, uh, uh, culminate in someone saying something so beautiful and, and heartfelt to me, I was present at this wonderful event in this group of people who might not have known me, but I was there and they were sharing with me their love and I got a portion. Just like everybody else was sharing all that food, all those people, uh, doctors, lawyers, uh, ditch diggers, people of all different backgrounds and everything, eating from the same table, the same food, and that food was love, was affection, was well wishes, was kindness. And I was right there at the buffet taking this in too. Oh, have you felt that? Oh, when others want to share their joy and love, you can just absolutely mop that up. I started sitting there thinking about my own lack of something as I was being offered it. Can you imagine that? I'm thinking, I didn't have any birthday cake when I was three. I know. Shut up. Look what's in front of you. Birthday cake. Exactly. Who cares about then? Look at now. <gasps> I'm in the presence of love. Oh, I'm in the presence of Hardy, somebody who doesn't fit in. Somebody's not asking you to fit in. Someone's not asking you to join a group. Someone's saying, I don't care what group you're in. I don't care if you've been cast out and you are wandering in the wilderness. You will always wander in the wilderness when you have found your own heart. You will be temporarily 
cast away. You will be separated from others as you make your journey. Because there will come a time when you realize that this is uh, out of your control. Others and their affections. But yours, you can direct it in. When I was standing there by myself at one point, under a beautiful blue sky by an old railroad bridge by the banks of the Mon. Standing there in Pittsburgh, didn't seem like Pittsburgh, seemed like I was somewhere in, in the outskirts. Just the river and the sound of the river and the birds and then the deafening sound of the freight train going by, which I love, possibly mechanical, impossibly large, so much energy, just the amount of energy that it takes to drag that train and all that weight and metal on metal, kind of liked it, and I felt so outside of myself, I felt as just Hardy's senses and the world, and nobody was judging me, and nobody was standing between me, and that, that was my river. That's my train. I felt this when I was wandering alone in the south of France where I couldn't have belonged less, and I stood out like an outsider. The language alien to me, the history alien to me, everything about it, everything strange. And I would walk those streets and they would become familiar to me. And I would see those buildings and they'd become my friends. All the trees, the plane trees on the promenade. All of those. The opera house. The fountain of the Trois Gras. The Chateau d'Eau. The old water house. And they were my intimates, and they were my neighbors, and nobody could say they weren't. And I didn't need to belong to anything, to belong where I was. And they were no more mine than they were anybody's. And I couldn't take any of that to my grave, just like they can't take it to their grave. And when I walk on lands that do not belong to me, I feel part of them. I don't want to own or possess them. I want them to possess me. I want that land to accept me. I want those trees to say, hardy means me no harm. Maybe we could go into some sort of agreement together, me and this little person. Oh, I met others, too. And, you know, I'm a, a, a shy person. What's that? Sh Explore your shyness. I'll skip right to the point. I am afraid I'm going to do something that will get me ostracized. I have had the silent treatment used against me by a group of people before. We're not talking to that guy. And I'm not saying whether I deserved it or not. But I'm saying that that's a, a indescribable experience where you're like, maybe I am not lovable to other human beings. Um, something's wrong with me. And I may have spent years 
uh, not being on my side until the ridiculousness of it hit me. I don't have to be angry. I don't have to be bitter. I don't have to be anything like that. I can just be loving. And I will start by loving me, and then people will see that, and they'll come over for some loving. And now I can give it to you. Oh, if I hadn't been making bread, I wouldn't have any bread for you. I had to start making the bread before I thought there's anybody there to take it and enjoy it. And so I had to make it out of faith first. And now you say, Hardy, your words, just uh, acknowledging. Say, I, Mammy, I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm helpful, sometimes I'm not. And I, thinking about how I want to be helped, sometimes I want to be recognized. Like at a party or something, this happened to me. You know, when someone says, hey, friend, you know, are you new here or a stranger? Or they might even say, hey, are you hardy? And that recognition means the world. And you can do that to yourself, too. You know, you can say, hey, aren't you, aren't you, you? I love you. Now let's go take that. Now walk around this party with a look of, of uh, acceptance on your face. Say, I'm going to take your, your love. So every time I get it, I accept it. And every time someone tells me I've helped them, I believe them. And everybody tells, somebody tells me I'm worthy, I believe them. If I'm going to err on the side and not believe in something, it's going to believe the things that hurt me. So if you've serving me food and one of them stings and makes me throw up, I'm going to go ahead and reject that one. If you, if you serve me strawberry shortcake, not the character, the food, yes, I'm going to eat it all up. Why not? You can't keep it. I'm going to take it right now. Oh, I'm offering it to you. I'm offering a recognition of you may be sitting there not feeling so great. Uh, thinking about your life and say, oh, gosh, it's not going the way I want. Or, and I have no idea the degree of suffering. It, 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 it gets so bad for people. I, I understand that. I have no disasters, loss. It's, it's indescribable, the spectrum of experience that human beings can have. And when I encounter somebody, I have no idea which one of those crazy things could have happened to that person. And you don't know what they're dealing with or have dealt with or where they come from. But in that moment, that, that encounter, there's a chance to love afresh. Oh, welcome to the wedding. What can I get you? Right now you are at a wedding. We are joining our hearts together in a sort of matrimony. We're going to make a union of caring. Right now, that's what we're going to do. <gasps> Is that Can that happen on the radio? Yes, it can. There's a pawn shop on the corner of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and in it I found the soul of a lost person, and the soul was contained in some kind of uh, figurine. 
It wasn't necessarily a Hummel. It was like one of those fake Hummels. Maybe it was a precious moments. And it was a little boy fishing. And the soul in there was that of a child. And it had been put there by the parents who had lost that child. Oh, hearts full of love, stay full of love. A hearts full of pain, stay full of pain. I hold you in your imperfect broken heart that will never be cleansed of the pain, but can hold the love right there with it. Oh my gosh. When you get a certain kind of clay pot, I've done a lot of cookings in clay pots, and some of them have a different degree of finish. Sometimes you got to kind of cure it. You might have to put something in it and boil something starchy in it first that seals up the holes of the clay. So they get seen, the pot won't leak or explode. And so there's that residue always in us that can keep us strong, too. That old gooky, gummy rice that gets into those little micro cracks. And you think, oh, I'm all gummed up. And you know, that gum is keeping you together. Oh, my beautiful sibling. Well, you just, you're all held together by gum and duct tape and string. We are cobbled. The things that are holding our hearts and souls together. It looks like green acres. Oh, I have to climb up a pole to talk to myself. Oh, it's a hassle, but I'm willing to do it. I may live in a place that always looks like it's in a state of decay, but I ask you, is the Green Acres house in a state of falling apart or a state of being built? It isn't complete. It will never be complete. Even when it's complete, it will start to uncomplete itself. And so we're always in that state of being half built. If you live in a house and it's not brand new, you know what I'm talking about. You might say, well, the guest bathroom is newly renovated. The master bath, not so much. And it still has, it has pink tile and mold from the 60s. So that's possible. We have that in our hearts, in ourselves. We are that old house. You may look at me and you go, oh my gosh, look at Hardy has an intercom system. That intercom system hasn't worked in many, many years. And so I have to talk to you the old-fashioned way, and that is to scream through the door or down the hall. And I say, I'm right here, my friend. You don't have to look any farther. You found me on the radio. I found that friend that I'm looking for. What's that? One that can't see or hear me, but who I know loves me. That's absolutely, that's absolutely true. And so you can, uh, you can have me with you. When I'm not with you, and you can have me forgive you for things, too. Say, Hardy says it's all right. He still loves me. It's true, because I don't know about what you did, which is great. I don't need to. Come on in. Wedding food's for everybody. And I learned that. I was loved with such, uh, what's the word I want? Uh, no, abandon sounds a little creepy. I was loved unreservedly by people this weekend. I was appreciated in such a way that I felt my my soul rising outside of my body almost and and um, because of uh, some of the folks that I met I had uh, they'd heard me years ago but I didn't know about them and to find out about that retroactively can uh, stir your heart 
and and you can't take it all the time just like you couldn't take those toasts all the time if you're the if you're the couple getting married or something and somebody's saying these things about you that's impossible to endure all the time you wouldn't be able to you'd be walking around weeping and shaking all the time this is just these moments outside of time where there uh, we can do this and then we can walk about with this confidence this inoculation against hardship by the love and appreciation from somebody who may not even be around anymore. I'm sustained by the love of some people who are gone. Although I wonder if some of their love wasn't contingent on <laughs> Yes, if, I, if my grandparents knew me now, mm, would they reject me? See, that's another thing. And so I can't, I can't think like that in those terms. How would I, would I hate myself if my grandparents rejected me? No, I am now at that point. No, if my family, no, no, not now, not now. It's too late. When I was a child, rejection by family, oh, it was a nightmare. Now, I can't be touched. I made everybody my family. I made all those who I uh, interact with positively my family. I made caring about individuals my religion, my philosophy, my ethics is, is caring about people I care about and then meeting as many people as I possibly can and caring about them. And, that, and I don't know how it works. And when it comes to things like this, uh, I, I find that things defy logic. I wish I had some logical way to tell you to live your life but I'm just telling you what works for me and what works for me is to let myself break down all those things that I would put up to protect myself and then I will encounter human beings one-on-one -on -one and take my chances and then when I receive their respect or affection with all my armor off I take that in, and it's like energy, and it's like when the Highlander cuts off the head of another Highlander or another whatever, immortal. Queen music plays. Here we are, and I get all the energy from that, and it replaces any kind of uh, rejection as a child. It, 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 it helps with that, that pain. And that, that, what that pain gave me were special glasses where I could see it in others. And so I don't reject it. Oh, come with me to Pittsburgh. We're going to a wedding. Everything there is hilly and weird. Oh, walking up. Someone says, oh, we're just park at the end of the street. And then just we're just six houses down. You're not six houses down. You're six houses up. I can't do that. It's like San Francisco. I was walking in San Francisco one time, and I came to the street, and I said, oh, now this is a joke. I can't physically do that. That incline is 90 degrees, I think. There are streets in San Francisco where you actually have to repel. You can't just walk. So I can't do that. I didn't bring my crampon, so I can't go down the, your street. I'm sorry. And I felt like that, but a lot of them will have a rope, and you can hang on to the rope and pull yourself along. I did that in San Francisco. I was holding on to the handrail. 
and I exhausted myself. I didn't even, I go, where, I don't even want to go wherever we're going. Can I just, I'm going to sit on my butt and slide back down to Girardelli Square and just have a chocolate. But I didn't feel that way. In Pittsburgh, I was invigorated. I don't know what it was. I felt like I was made of steel. And I was. My heart was steel, like I said, like we say it. And uh, it's steel full of love right now. Oh, now you're just being silly. I am being silly. I want to make sure I undo any of the seriousness I did. I like to do that. Like I always say, you got to put that, if you're going to make somebody cry, immediately follow it with some kind of bathroom humor. Because that's not fair. So, oh, I felt you broke my heart the other day, Hardy. Did you not stay around for the uh, one where I'm talking about how the toilet paper does something funny? No, I didn't hear that. Yeah, well, after that, I talked about different types of toilet seats and all sort of and bathrooming. So that's how I try to cover for it, is the uh, absurdity of being a, a human, along with the the romance of it comes the the bizarre, um, disgusting part, which is also so, sort of wonderful. Can be. Um, I got to be honest, though. There's two times when everything feels right. One is that absolutely alone with just the sky and the birds and everything. And the other is, is when you're talking to somebody and it just feels like maybe you're the only two people and or maybe you're talking to a couple people and then that you get that feeling of the the three of you or four of you and you just feel complete in a way where some of you is slightly gone and I can see why groups you want to be in a group where maybe you're almost completely gone and the group's in you. But I'm saying you can bring that everywhere. Everywhere I go is group party. You're group party. You're group you. We're group everybody. Oh, if you change your mind, come on over to my mind. Be in my mind for a while, then I'll return you to your mind. That was Abba's first song. No, it wasn't. I don't know what their very first song is. I know that they won. It was Waterloo that won in the Eurovision Song Contest. And uh, that's so funny. Um, I, my, my song, this is what's galling, is that my song I entered the same year and is very similar. It was, uh, it was called Napoleon Reminds Me of My Ex. And... Dang, theirs was just catchier, I think. Because mine was like, Napoleon reminds me of my ex somehow. Maybe it's the way that he furls his brow. Look at him going. I don't know. It was something like that. But um, it was catchy. I think I had to, uh, I worked on it with Bernard Cribbins. He was going to help me. He's like, I'm, right now I'm working on um, uh, Right Again, said Fred. Was He was trying to do a comeback. And uh, that was, oh gosh, those were good times. I've had so many careers in my mind. I'm glad I did them in my mind. I, hadn't, I didn't have to go through them in, in reality. That would have been difficult. I can't imagine doing all the things I wanted to do 
I dodged a bullet there being thick. I'm glad about that. Oh, I hear my alarm. Oh, so days ago, days ago, I took a nap. Do you hear those chimes? It's beautiful, right? Days ago, I took a nap and I set the alarm. Um, no, weeks ago, weeks ago. And uh, for some reason, I'm having a difficult time undoing the alarm. Now the phone is across the room. Listen, it's like there's an ice cream truck. Oh, an ice cream truck is here. But it's not. It's saying, wake up, wake up. And uh, isn't that wonderful? So this, when I was at the, I'm sure it went off at the wedding at some point. Because, uh, but it might have been, my nap might have been earlier than that. And it doesn't stop. It's like, it's relentless. It's like, you're going to wake up. You're going to come get ice cream. I'm not stopping this. And I guess I could go, oh, I love it. I love it. Why didn't you have your phone next to you when you're doing the show? I don't know. My phone just goes wherever it goes. I take it out of my, my pocket. My clothes are like that at home. Wherever I take a thing off, that's where it lives now. And so shoes everywhere, really. And my phone is wherever uh, I set it down. You just hope it's not going to be in the toilet. Have you ever? Uh, I've done that where you drop a thing and you just watch. You watch yourself drop it and you think that was clearly... One of those instances where an invisible being came up, undid my grip on the phone as I was holding it over the toilet, and let it drop in. I mean, I watched that happen. So either I did that to myself, or there really are um, sort of like ghosts walking around that have the, um, you know, that have the moral character of Family Circus is not me, and that is that they are mischievous. Uh, they like to wreck things under the guise of being silly. How long is this alarm going to go on? I really, I'm letting it go because of my, my taste for the absurd. But I think that it will ring indefinitely. I mean, sus, it, 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 it's really adamant. It's like, I said wake up. So you got to go, and the, the cloying music is wonderful. Oh, I love it. I'm being absolutely tortured when things like this happen and i'm annoyed but it's not fatal i try to use it as a sort of exercise you know how things hurt when you do push-ups well sometimes things hurt when you're exercising your tolerance or you think i'm trying not to be irritated i'm trying not to be frustrated i can feel the frustration with every repeat of that i get more and more frustrated and i want to say things like why did they design it like that Clearly, you'd be up by now or not. There's no reason to make it go on indefinitely. Why wouldn't it end after a minute or a minute or two? Why would it literally go on for as long as the phone is on? Why would it endure for eight hours until the battery is drained? I don't understand that. Either somebody gets up or they're dead. And if they're dead, you don't want this chiming to go on and on like that. Imagine the coroner comes and they say, what is that chime somewhere? Say, so, well, it didn't didn't wake him up. It might be the cause of death. It's unbelievable. So now it's been, I think, a full five minutes or something like that of just the alarm ringing, and it won't stop. And I'm going to tell you what, after this is over, I'm going to cover it with a pillow. I'm going to walk away. But I think that this thing is meant to just do this indefinitely. And I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to wait it out. If it thinks it's going to wear me down, it's wrong. It's really hard to not interpret things like this as having a malicious intent, even though clearly 
It's an inanimate object that's doing something that I asked it to do, now completely out of context, and now uh, not helpful. But listen, it got my attention, and it's not, I don't even know where it is. I, if I started looking for it now, who knows how long that would take, you know, because it's just, it's around somewhere. You know, it's not even connected to the, oh, I see where it is. There it is. All right, can I do this? Friends and listeners, what's this have to do with group and self-love? Well, I'm trying to uh, give you a demonstration. I can't take it. I don't think I can take it. I really want to, I'm curious to know how long it's going to go on. But then part of me is not so curious. It stopped. Oh God, it stopped. Are you okay? <laughs> it stopped. It started again. Oh, that's a oh, that's adorable. That's amazing. It started all over again. Well, if you were if you were keeping track of how long uh, before I lost my mind, I would say I think we went full five five minutes of the the horrible ice cream truck uh, wake-up alarm, and uh, I feel, now I feel kind of traumatized by it. It did feel like psychological torture there. I don't know if y'all, um, I don't know if that'd be helpful than anything you do. <gasps> yes, Hardy, I'm involved in psychological torture. What, what do you do? I'm in, the, I'm in pop, pop music industry. Oh, okay. Yeah, we need things like that because uh, we find a lot of times that things that are uh, annoying actually sell the best, you know, like, like earworms. They're a new group, and they're doing real well. I feel sometimes I resent somebody else's uh, playlist was going on the trip, and so I heard their favorite, I don't know, what is it, 20 songs, 10 times. And so now those songs that I didn't pick and didn't want to like are now familiar to me. And so I start humming them or singing them. And I'm resentful because I didn't, they're not my songs. I didn't pick them to like. No, that's, that's silly. Uh, I enjoy hearing the new music that's now stuck in my head. But things get stuck in my head that I don't like. And so I need to go in there and somehow curate. Something that I want stuck in my head is that when I'm at my best, and when I'm feeling secure and feeling loved, I can do my best. And I can be the hearty I want to be. I can help. I cannot be mean or resentful or scared. Scared hearty is the worst. Scared hearty is the worst. So I want you to, I want you to hold your hand. You're not too old to have your hand held or for me to give you a hug. Come on, all human beings need the support. You know, sometimes when things aren't, uh, don't seem as bad as they are, that's when you need it. You go, well, nobody's going to think I'm really suffering because nothing is really objectively wrong. Come on in for that hug. Come on in. I love you. Hardy's here for you. It can be bad without being uh, obviously so. I understand this. 
Give me a big hug. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County in New York City, New York, and online at WFMU.org worldwide. Oh, thanks for being with me, and I will see you again next week, my awesome, awesome friends. Twins, neighbors, Evelyn. Her name is Mahogany. Twins, neighbors, Evelyn.